This is Rob Long with Martini Shot for The Ankler. A lot of things happened last week, I guess, but for me, what happened last week was this. I saw a photograph of Elon Musk on a yacht in the Greek islands getting hosed down by Ari Emanuel, the chief of talent agency and media company WME. Now, full disclosure, I have never myself been hosed down by an agent, although I think at this point, Ari Emanuel isn't really representing talent anymore. His company, WME, has soared to astonishing heights, well beyond talent representation. People refer to him just by his first name. That's how big he is. And all of this is really impressive. I mean, it is a great story. I am old enough to remember Ari Emanuel's first years in the business. I think, I think he represented a young writer we hired once. And I remember hearing from one of his partners in Endeavor about the night they broke free from, I think it was ICM, and they raced out of the building in the middle of the night with paper records and Rolodexes. And this was back, back then, back when it was all on paper, back when if you were an agent, you really did need to carry that stuff with you. And they started their own business, which went from success to success to buying William Morris to getting listed on the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, it's so easy to be snippy and dismissive when people do great things in the entertainment business. I mean, it's easy to drop into mean girls mode and diminish what is an amazing set of accomplishments. I mean, I do it all the time. I wish I didn't. Part of my practice is to try to be a slightly better person, slightly, every couple of days. I used to say, try to be a better person each day, but you know, that's pushing it. On the other hand, you can be a gutsy and visionary entrepreneur in the entertainment industry and build a wide-ranging business and become a one-name big deal like Beyonce or Yanni, and you're still going to have to hose down the billionaire. That's going to be your job. While I hope, for Elon's sake, you were giving him business advice, which I hope, for Elon's sake, he takes. Because here's my confession. I I really like agents. I think they're necessary grease in the machine. They are what gastroenterologists might call friendly bacteria in the lower intestine of the dirty business we call entertainment. They keep things running. They make it easier to put productions and staffs and enterprises together. And in exchange, they take a little bite out of whatever's passing through the pipes. They live off the land, in other words. I mean, it's all one big pitch out here in Hollywood anyway. You're always trying to sell two things, yourself and whatever else it is that you're selling, which is... Why agents, if they're any good, are always trying to get people together in meetings. Get in a room together, they'll say. Or, I just want you guys to be on each other's radar. Or, just go over there and stick your head in the office. Just put a face to the name. It doesn't really matter if the client has nothing specific to pitch. The idea here is to create a river of momentum to keep your name out there, to sell yourself, to to use the hip-hop lingo the kids were so into, to represent So all over town at any given moment, clients are sitting down with executives for no real reason. The writer thinks it's a general face to a name kind of meeting. The executive thinks it's a pitch meeting. The two of them stare awkwardly at each other until they both realize often at the exact same moment that the only reason they're in the same room is because they've both been agented. And that is a good thing because it's a hard and necessary job to be the cheerleader For an entire industry to keep it all moving forward, knowing that you're an easy target for jokes and eye rolls and writers spending all day at lunch complaining about you. I have a friend who years ago was an assistant to a big agent at a big talent agency. And assistants like that do something called rolling calls. That is, they run through their boss's call sheet, the people she needs to call back, the people she wants to call her back, and the most crucial set, the people she needs to call right now. Now, what you do, apparently, if you're an assistant to a big agent is you just roll through those lists. You just call people. Hi, I have big talent agent or major studio executive. 
You triage people who call. Yes, I'm sorry. I don't have her. Can she return? And hustling important calls right through to her earpiece. Go ahead. You're on with important talent manager. At some point during his early days working on her desk, an important call came through. Business affairs from one of the studios was calling to close a huge deal for one of her clients. It was, as these things usually are, a fast call. My friend, as is customary for an agent's assistant, was listening in on the call, taking notes. And after the call, he looked up at his boss and smiled. She had just closed a multi-million dollar deal, something she'd been working on for weeks. And he was expecting, he didn't know, maybe a smile, maybe a sigh, maybe that she'd get up and stretch a bit and celebrate with, I don't know, kombucha, something. What she did was this. She fixed him with a confused, why are you looking at me expression, pointed to the phone with its blinking calls on hold lights, circled her index finger in the air and said, continue trading, continue trading. That's what she called rolling calls, trading like people do with coffee or cattle. Keep going, she was saying. This is a volume business. We get to dip our tiny cup into the torrential cascade of money known as the deal flow. And the more dips, the more money. So roll those calls. Continue trading. Hose down the billionaire and keep moving. Now, a few years ago, I made a little pack with myself. I vowed to return every phone call, every one. Now, this is a an easy vow to live up to most of the time. My phone rings intermittently, mostly informing me that the factory warranty on my car has run out. So most of the year, you know, no problem. Now, mostly in the entertainment business anyway, there are only two kinds of calls. The first is, we will give you money if you do this thing. And the second is, we know you have some money and we would like some of it. Now, if I have a project moving forward, my phone burns up with this second kind of call, which means since I return every phone call, every single one, even the painful ones, I talk to a lot of agents who are friendly and helpful and honest, though not too honest. They got a job to do after all. And look, I'm in this business too. I want there to be more writers working, more comedies on the schedule, more commerce, more transaction. I'm all for the trading to continue. More trading means abundance. Abundance is good. I return your phone calls. You return mine. I mean, the difference between a showrunner who's hiring and an ex-showrunner who needs to get hired is sometimes a couple of not hot scripts. The difference between an agent who's calling a lot and pushing his clients and a former agent now manager who represents a couple of actors you want to put into your TV series is sometimes just an agency merger. Things change in this business. And agents, in my experience, and I mean this sincerely, I am not in mean girls mode, agents make this entire industry work better. Agents keep the whole business hosed down. True story. A bunch of years ago, a writer in his late 50s who hadn't worked in a long, long time, but who at one point was well-paid and in demand, found himself facing what we'll call typical Hollywood career ending number three. Private school and college tuitions paid barely, 401k plan ransacked, home equity tapped, savings dwindling, cars won, supermarket Ralph's, area code 661. Look it up. It's Palmdale. So with a month or two left before the house goes back to chase home lending and he starts to put the baggies on the hands and heads off to Quiznos to make the subs, he calls his old agent and lays it out. I mean, is there anything for me? Anything at all? I promise the story has a happy ending. Sort of. 
Now, his agent, who has represented him for almost 30 years, has in that time gone from young guy out of the mailroom to major player in the business. And like a lot of agents, he's sentimental about his longtime clients in that he still takes his phone calls. I don't know what I can do for you, he says to his old client. Most of the people in the business have never heard of you. It's been a long time. And also, I only work about two days a week now. So let me put you in touch with one of our young guys here. So the old agent calls his assistant back and says, look, do something for this guy. I don't know how he isn't really very good. He never was, but do something. And if it works, I will make you an agent. So the young assistant calls the old writer in for a meeting. Bring everything, he says, every script, every idea, every notion, everything. Bring it all in which the writer does in a huge cart. Remember, it's 30 years worth of material. And the assistant sifts through the piles and it's all really bad. And But the assistant discovers an old spec feature script of the writer's never sold. That's basically a version of a script that was just bought by a major studio and which is on the fast track to production. Now, the young assistant knows that the studio will pay a lot of money for that script just to take it off the market, just so no other studio beats them to the theaters with a similar project. So the assistant then calls all of the studios, ostensibly for his boss, and tells them this. A veteran client of the agency, a guy rich and retired, an artist, has written a wonderful feature script. He tells them the basic premise of the script and to expect it by messenger on Friday and be prepared to make an offer on Monday morning. Now, again, this was a bunch of years ago, so it doesn't really work this way anymore, but the story is still very instructive. Now, the studio with a similar project instantly freaks out, of course, and offers script unread a lot of money to take it off the market. No deal, says the assistant, pretending to speak for his boss. Our client is a veteran. He's an elder statesman. He's too rich to let you buy his script and bury it. This guy is not motivated by money. So they offer more money, a lot more, and an additional two script deal besides. And suddenly, the old writer is motivated by money. And that's the happy ending. The assistant is promoted to agent. The writer gets to keep his house and health care. Everybody wins thanks to excellent and resourceful agenting. And that's it for this week. Ne well, okay, I'll tell you the real ending of the story. The writer does take the money, but he forgets the second part, which is the and run part. He takes the money and stays. He moves back to the 310 from the 661. He gets the BMW 7. He hires an assistant. He interprets this last-minute save, this third-act deus ex machina, his one-time-only get-out-of-jail-free card, as his comeback. And he spends the next four years and most of the money trying to do just that. And it doesn't work, of course, because the truth is, Despite all of the hype and the noise and the wishful thinking, the best an agent can do is set up the meeting and hose you down. The rest is really up to you. True story. And that's it for this week. Next week, we will fly the plane. For The Ankler, this is Rob Long.